Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am Tom Reed, joined as always by the Hall of Famer, Dave Molinari, who is in New York. We are recording on Friday. Uh, Dave's setting up for the uh, second of four meetings with the Rangers, a team they could very well face in the first round. We will be joined a little bit later by our drive to the net analyst, Danny Shirey. He'll join us in the third segment. Talk a little bit about Sidney Crosby, also about the man of the week, Ricard Raquel. Uh, who the Penguins just acquired at the deadline. And Dave, let's just start with the obvious point. Um, you know, well, I think the last time we talked, we weren't sure if they would be able to make a quote-unquote splash. I don't know if Raquel uh, is a splash, but it's certainly a player that that can help them that looks like he's going to find a home somewhere in the top six forwards. Just it's been a couple of days, but still, this is fresh. Your thoughts on the Penguins going out and adding someone that's going to be able to play in their top six as they push toward the playoffs? Well, I mean, uh, Raquel uh, is a legitimate top six guy in this league. Um, they actually made more of a, a splash uh, than I expected them to, uh, largely because of salary cap issues. And it, it took some some real fiscal gymnastics by Ron Hextall to make this work. Um, but, you know, he, uh, he not only had to unload a couple of salaries in Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simone, who are guys that the Penguins would have liked to keep around. They certainly weren't members of the team core, but, you know, they were good guys to have around. And Aston Reese was certainly an accomplished penalty killer. And then they also had to, um, make the deal attractive enough to the Ducks that Anaheim was willing to uh, withhold. I believe it was uh, 35% uh, or so of uh, uh, the, uh, of Raquel's salary. So, you know, the Hextall did, did a lot of work to, to get this uh, deal done and it's now up to Raquel to uh, prove that it, you know, all, all that trouble was worth it. One of the benefits, Dave, of kind of being in the position that the Penguins are relative to the playoff picture right now is they have 
they can use this runway into the playoffs as a kind of an experimental time. In other words, they are not fighting for a playoff spot. They're not holding off anybody to try to get in. They, they could still finish anywhere from first to fourth, um, and, but they're comfortably in a playoff spot. And I, I believe that gives teams time to experiment with lineups and experiment at this time of year with new players in the lineup. And that seems to be in reading your um, pregame uh, skate that is right now on DK Pittsburgh sports. Uh, you can even go back and read this after the game. Uh, it sounds like they're going to kind of look to see where his best fit is. Everyone kind of assumed he would be on the right side of Malkin. Uh, he may end up playing on the left side of Malkin because Sullivan likes his versatility. Uh, I would think this would be an advantage for them to kind of take these next couple weeks and decide kind of what is best, uh, his best fit. Yeah, and I mean, he was playing on the left side in uh, in Anaheim. That was, or primarily at least, uh, that was one of the uh, issues I thought they might face with him because, you know, the perceived opening was on Malkin's right wing. Um, you know, with the thinking being that uh, Brian Rust would go from Malkin's right side back up to the line with Crosby and Gensel. And, uh, you know, that Jason Zucker, when he comes back, would, would go to the left side with Malkin. And then you'd have uh, Raquel on the on the right. And perhaps that is the way it, it will shake out eventually. Obviously, some variables that we can't know at this time, like injuries, will will have a say in what uh, configurations they settle on. But, you know, at least in the short term, uh, uh I, I think this will probably ease his adjustment a, a little bit to to be able to stay on the left side where he has been, uh, you know, with the Ducks, as opposed to <clears throat> uh, adapting to a different position, one he's played before, but uh, not not for a while. You know, the the transition to a uh, a new team and a new system is enough. I don't know that a, a guy needs to be force fed a, a different position at the same time. Yeah, and, and you you had just mentioned it briefly, but it, it 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 bears repeating the fact that they were able to get the Ducks to take some of the salary means that they don't have to keep Jason Zucker on long term IR until the playoffs. We we've seen other teams do that to to acquire most famously Tampa Bay last year, uh, where they were able to add salary uh, and keeping Kucherov, but they kept Kucherov out of the lineup until the playoffs started here, they will be able to bring Zucker back in. And, and if, if, if I was reading correctly, he is now skating with the team still in a non-contact Jersey, but it looks like he's getting closer to returning. Yeah. Friday was his first time with the team. And uh, you know, it was just at a morning skate and he was you know, wearing a, uh, a no contact Jersey, Although that's kind of probably unnecessary at a morning skate, there really isn't much <laughs> contact at at those in the most aggressive of times. Um, but no, that, I mean that that's another step in his progression uh, toward getting back in the lineup. I don't I don't think you'll see him there in the next few days or anything. But at this point, barring a setback, I certainly think he'll be back with time to spare in, in the regular season. So yeah. Um, I, I think there will be a good bit of, of experimenting 
as you know, if the Penguins get to a point where they have more than six, you know, top six caliber forwards available, yeah, I think you will see some mixing and matching to uh, to see what combinations are most productive for them. And, and not only that, not only is it is it productive now, but it gives Mike Sullivan and his coaching staff a chance to say if they get into a playoff series and a line isn't working well, if, if they start to have trouble scoring, they can then go back to say, you know what, this worked, this, this lineup, this tweak worked in the, toward the end of the regular season. We can try it as opposed to, okay, we're going to try this for the first time and let, let's hope it works. Uh, I think that is a real benefit. And a couple of these teams, I think are all in this situation in the Eastern conference that, that have the playoffs made that this is a time that you can, you kind of see what lines work. I would think, Dave, ultimately, I may be wrong, that they would like to get Rust eventually back to that top line because it's, it is so good. And we're going to talk to Danny a little bit later about this. But I wanted to get your thoughts on, do you think when they do line up for real in, the, in game one of the opening round series that Rust is back on the first line? I think that that unless injuries you know, dictate a, a major change that, yeah, they, they absolutely would like to have Gensel and, and Rust back with Crosby. You know, that line was going so well before they moved Rust, the, Rust down to uh, Malkin's line to try to get Malkin uh, back to, to where they need him to be. And, you know, it, it has worked. I, I think, you know, they, they've formed a pretty effective partnership too, but I, I think ultimately that, you know, if uh, circumstances allow that you'll, you'll see Mike Sullivan move Rust back with uh, Crosby and Gensel. Dave, I'll tell you what, I, if, I think Brian Rust, the way he's playing right now, can play with anybody. He is just having a terrific, terrific season. I, I think with, you know, everything, we always talk so much about Sidney Crosby and what Sidney Crosby does for people. But Brian Rust is having just a wonderful, wonderful year. Uh, and it's, you know, even his bump down in the lineup, he's he's still finding ways to contribute. Oh, uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, there, there are probably worse things in life than being put on a line with Evgeny Malkin, you know, if you're, if you're a hockey <laughs> yeah. player. You know, it's not like he was, you know, uh, Rasta suddenly being sent out there with a beer league uh, center. Uh, but, yeah, um, he's... Uh, and he certainly picked a uh, a great time to have a year like this with uh, free agency just a few months down the road. Earlier in his career, he picked up a, a reputation, uh, particularly during the playoffs, for scoring timely goals. And you know, his timing uh, this season has been impeccable, too, because you know, he's just you know, almost every game he plays, he probably bumps up his uh his salary for coming seasons a, a little bit. He's he's just you know having a terrific season, showing that he's a extremely good all around player. You know the the Penguins uh, have been using him lately to kill penalties, which I, I think is a subject unto itself. I think there are uh, serious risks in that, mostly because he, he's made himself so valuable to them. If you would lose him because he. Uh, gets a broken hand or a broken foot blocking a shot while he's killing penalties. Uh, the fact that he's such an effective penalty killer won't seem like, you know, such a, uh, such a big plus anymore. 
Well, we'll stay on that just for one second because I'll, uh, you know we're, we're running out, we're running short on time. But you know we've seen other teams do this. The Rangers, uh, Chris Kreider is killing penalties for the first time in his career uh, with the Rangers, and and Kreider's had an unbelievable uh, career year there. So I I agree. It's it is it is a bit of a risk. But if the guy can do it, it's certainly his speed is going to be a major concern for any power play because any bobble by the defenseman or who's ever playing the point and Russ can be gone. So it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a trade-off one way or the other. We're just getting started here on the 66 to 87 podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, the this these group of cluster of Ranger games coming up. Uh, they play them again Tuesday night. We're also going to get into the the terrific road record this team has this year. And uh, again, Danny Shirey will be along a little bit later. So stick with us on the 66 to 87 podcast. back to the 66 to 87 podcast uh, we will be joined a bit later with danny shirey but continue on our conversation with dave molinari who's in new york uh covering last night's ranger game dave uh prior to that game uh on friday night at madison square garden this was team led the league uh 21 7 and 5 on the road 21 road wins 47 points a winning percentage of 7.12 goals against uh, goals goals against 76 goals against 2.30 the penalty kill at 89.3 percent uh the big question here is why do you think this team has been so good on the road this year well a big part of it is being a veteran team uh you know there's nothing that these guys face on the road no no adversity uh that they haven't uh, had to deal with in the past uh you know, because the, there is such a veteran presence among this group, uh, they don't—they're uh, not inclined to lose their composure, uh, which is pretty important because you, uh, you know, uh, other teams can't necessarily go on a roll where they they score three or four unanswered goals and turn a close game into a blowout. Uh, you know, Tristan Jari has certainly played a, a major part in that. Uh, Good goaltending makes a lot of things possible, and they've gotten an awful lot of that from Jari this year. Uh, yeah, uh, their penalty kill has has been uh, good on the road. Um, you know, it, it's you know, obviously I I don't regard it as simply one factor. There, you know, there's been a lot that that's gone into their success, which is probably almost a given when when you're fare as well on the road as they have this season, you've got to have a lot of things going for you. Dave, I do think that your, your initial point on this is, is spot on uh, with the veteran, the veteran side of this, this, uh, the most of this group, the, certainly the core and even some of the secondary uh, group has been together for a while. Uh, they don't panic. Uh, you know, they don't really succumb. We have not really seen them succumb 
to momentum swings this year, which is a little bit opposite of the team uh, that they played last night and will play again Tuesday at PPG Paints Arena. The Rangers have obviously had a nice season. Uh, they're very good in one-goal games for the most part, but there have been times this year where they have been blown out in stretches of games. And uh, just the other night, I believe it was Tuesday, uh, in New Jersey, a classic example of a young team up to nothing in the second period against a, uh, a dangerous opponent in the fact that New Jersey have speed and they they give up five goals. Just they, it's looked like these guys had never played together before. And that's happened to them multiple times this year. And we see that with young teams that that just, you know, whatever cliche you want to use, can't stop the bleeding, whatever. Even with a goalie as good as Shesterkin, uh, they just lose their composure. They lose their structure and fall out of the game. And, you know, that is a very important uh, facet, uh, very important attribute uh, to have at any time of the year, but especially going into the playoffs because we all see momentum swings in, in, in the sport, a bad goal, a goalie gives up a bad goal, or there's a flute goal. How are you going to respond? And the Penguins this year have done a very nice job of that. When they do give up a goal on the road, there doesn't seem to be a sense of panic. We don't see the roof cave in as, as happens with some teams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the flip side of that is that the Penguins can be, uh, you know, like a, the uh, the cliche is you know the shark that smells blood in the water. If uh, you know you uh, start to if you give up a goal and start to show a little panic or, or look a little flustered, uh, they're capable of going for the jugular against you. And uh, you know they guys like Crosby and Malkin have been doing that for a long time. And uh, they're still quite capable of it. And, you know, if uh, the Penguins would happen to be matched up against the Rangers in the first round, which certainly seems like a possibility at this point, I think that's uh, something that the Rangers coaching staff will have to be prepared to deal with. Because, uh, as you've noted, it's a, you know, it's a young team. It's a team that, at least in my opinion, is, is a year or so ahead of schedule in terms of its development. I think the, uh, the Rangers' best years are still very much ahead of them um but uh, you know learning to win at a high level in this league uh, can sometimes be a painful process and if uh if new york finds itself pitted against the penguins you know the penguins are certainly capable of uh, of making it be a painful experience for them dave we saw in the first game that these two teams played several weeks ago uh, at at PPJ Paints Arena, it was in. Well, we're just we're dust. We're throwing out all the cliches today. Uh, it was uh, as much a playoff atmosphere as you could have in a game. It was a one nothing game. It was a terrific game to watch. It certainly didn't play like one nothing game. Both teams had great chances on either side. All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on. We're gonna be joined by Danny Shirey here shortly. Uh, so stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast.
Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And now, as promised, we are being joined by our Drive to the Net contributor, Danny Shirey. And for fans of Drive to the Net, they got a bonus Drive to the Net this week, first with the uh, Ricard Raquel trade and then with a, a nice story on Sidney Crosby and a man who's not playing like he's closing in on his 35th birthday, having a terrific season. Uh, Danny, first, let, let's get your impressions of Raquel, the first couple of games, and just what you think he is uh, eventually going to bring to this lineup. Yeah, well, in his first two games specifically, I, I think there were a couple times where you could really tell that he wasn't all that familiar with the system and maybe didn't know where to go at a at a certain point in time. But specifically on the very first shift he took in a penguin sweater, I was enamored because he was strong on the forecheck and, and caused a couple of defensemen to cough the puck up and the penguins were able to sustain pressure in the zone. And he also had a gorgeous feed from the corner right out front to Kapanen that ended up going off his stick and, and ended up back in the corner. Um, but, you know, the the thing that intrigues me about him the most, and, and we saw this on display in the overtime against Buffalo, is that he is just incredibly skilled, especially with the puck on his stick, and he's able to beat defenders one-on-one. And obviously we know how incredible his shot is and, and how he's able to beat goaltenders with it from distance. Uh, but the Penguins don't have a ton of guys on their team. Yeah, Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, those guys are are obviously super skilled and elite players. But as you look a little further down the lineup, there's not a ton of guys that, you know, can can get around defenders and, and create their own space in the in the way that Raquel can. And I, I'm just really excited about the the depth that that he brings to this team. Um the thing I like about him, um there's there's several things like first of all, he fits he fits with their the way that they like to play. The, Mike Sullivan likes a fast team. Uh, Raquel certainly fits that mold. I like that he shoots the puck. And then that may sound weird to, to, to maybe some fans out there that say, well, as, isn't that your job? Well, anyone who's watched the Penguins enough know they like to walk. They're like the Brazilian soccer team. They like to walk the puck into the net a lot of times. And, and Raquel, much like last year's uh, acquisition in Jeff Carter, will shoot the puck. And uh, what have you seen over the time with his shot? Uh, I think his shooting percentage has been pretty good this year. Uh, What do you like about the way he shoots the puck? Yeah, so after the past two seasons, he's actually – He's actually been a pretty poor finisher. Um, it, it's not necessarily because he has a poor shot. And, you know, I, I even wrote as much that, that this dude has a, a pretty pretty good shot. Um, but the thing that I see with his shot is that he's really good about getting the puck into a loaded position in his hip pocket. Mm-hmm. And when he is ready to fire, he essentially throws all of his weight down on the shaft of his stick as he's going through to really get uh, – it, it almost acts as like a lever to get a little bit more power on his shots but we've seen you know when the goalie's moving from post to post or even doesn't have time to get set in his crease Raquel has near lethal accuracy to be able to put the puck where he wants so um, you know the Penguins have had some some relatively big finishing issues this year and I think it was a pretty shrewd move on on the front offices and to go out and get a guy that's able to put the puck in the back of the net um, but that's also able to just put the puck wherever he needs to yeah, and you used the the phrase uh, "hip pocket" a couple times in your drive to the net column. 
people that that don't that that love the game or watch the game but necessarily didn't play the game can you elaborate a little bit more of of that that skill yeah absolutely so a lot of the time you might you might see a guy that at least comes off or or has the impression that this is a really skilled guy and you never really see him have the ability to beat defenders or or defenders are always jumping on him and and getting the puck off their stick. And a lot of the time what you'll see is that that player is often carrying the puck out in front of their body rather than off to the side. And the reason that is is because when you've got the puck off to your side or what I call the hip pocket, or you can even call it the loaded position, but when you have the puck in that area, area, you're much more dangerous because not only can you shoot the puck in an instant, but if you don't have a shooting lane, you're able to pass it or put it out into open area or open ice. Whereas if the puck's out in front of you before you do something, you're going to have to move it out to your side anyway. And if you don't, you're not going to be able to get very much power on whether it's a pass or a shot, and you're just going to be that much easier to defend. And that's something that I've seen with Raquel that he's been really good about um, and, and kind of hiding that puck and, and, and protecting it from defenders. Dave and I talked about this in the first segment. It, you know, one of the advantages of having a playoff spot wrapped up so early, especially right at the trade deadline, sometimes teams are fighting to get in the playoffs. Uh, that's not going to be the case, but but it allows you a, a little bit of a runway to experiment. And that seems like uh, what Mike Sullivan's doing with him. He's kind of playing him on both sides, left and he's, he, they, they like the versatility. Where do you think he ends up? Do you think he ends up where a lot of people kind of imagined at the beginning on the right side of Malkin? Or do you, do you think that there, this may be a guy they kind of uh, move, move where they need him to play? Well, we know Sullivan's not not afraid to to use his Swiss Army knife tools and, and move guys around in the lineup as needed. Um, but I I actually really like where they have him now on the on the left side with Malkin and Rust. Um, I'm not sure that Evan Rodriguez is going to be a mainstay on that top line through the rest of the season and into the postseason. But if he is, I think he's that Raquel is going to fit in really nicely on that second line. Um, but just in a, in a greater sense, you know, the Penguins know what they have in a, in a Crosby Gensel rust line. They know what they have in a Latang Dumoulin pairing. They know what they have in a uh, Marino and, and Pedersen pairing as well. So I, I've been a big fan that that Sullivan's been at least taking a look at what other combinations they have and, and being able to see what, um, players are able to to read off of each other well and, and which pairings might not do as well together. That way they can have that figured out, uh, you know, when the inevitable injury bug comes around, whether it's down the stretch or even in the postseason. Yeah, good stuff there. Um, okay, as our readers have gotten to know, you do a lot of the digging into the underlying numbers. Is there anything Anything uh, from Raquel as far as a red flag there is some of the, maybe something he doesn't do well or something uh, when he's on the ice, uh, the ice gets tilted one way or the other. Is there is there anything that that, that, that gives you any pause? No, there, there's nothing that, that really gives me any pause. The one knock on him is that over pretty much every season of his career, he's had below average defensive impacts in terms of uh, his team typically gives up. 
more quality chances against than than the average of the team. But it's not to a degree of, say, Kasperi Kapanen, where, you know, they're just absolutely getting hemmed in out there when he's on the ice. So and as, and especially with how skilled and, and crafty he is and his ability to put the puck in the back of the net, it's not something that is going to be a deal breaker. And it, it's not something where. Um, you know, it, it makes you question why he's out there. And, and you know, he really provides the Penguins with with ad- additional things that they need throughout their lineup. And uh, I definitely don't see his defensive play being something that makes you second guess why they went out and got him. In hockey and in life in general, uh, we are always looking for the next great thing. We are always looking for the next great player. Uh, we, we talk so much about uh, Connor McDavid. Austin Matthews, guys like that. And I am in reading your column uh, the other day on Sidney Crosby and the, the heater that he is on right now. But, you know, if you take out those first seven games of his return where he was just trying to work out the kinks, I think he also had COVID in there somewhere. But my goodness, has he come back? Do you think that the, do you think that that fans around the league, even knowing how great Sidney Crosby is and he's He's a top 10 player, maybe even higher than that of all time. He's a little underappreciated because maybe he doesn't have the highlight real goals that he scored earlier in his career. Yeah, I mean, I I hesitate to call him underrated because, (laughs) you know, a a guy of his stature that's won everything in the game of hockey and and is continuing to produce it over a point per game into his mid-30s. I don't think there's anybody that pays a lick of attention to the NHL that's going to consider him underrated. Um, But, you know, he's done everything. He's won multiple cups. He's won a gold medal. Um, He he even won the the World Cup of Hockey with Canada back in in 2016. So this this is a guy that, that has been there and everybody's seen him do it. So I, you know, and, and they've come to expect excellence from him. And when he continues to do it, it's just business as usual. So when you've got other guys around the league, like McDavid and Dreisaitl, who are in a bit of a unfavorable situation with their team and, and guys like Austin Matthews, who hasn't even won a playoff series yet. And, and that even extends to Nathan McKinnon out in Colorado, who is one of the game's top players and, and hasn't found that glory yet. So I, I think the attention and all the, all the storylines really tend to go towards those other players just because they haven't been there yet. And it's something new. Um, but at the same time, I, I still think that it's pretty important to continue recognizing one of the game's great players and the fact that he's still one of the game's best players at this point of his career. And, and, and a, uh, we say this all the time, a 200-foot player, a guy that is not going to cheat you in the defensive zone, uh, still works hard, still back checks, does all that. I, I, I sent you, I sent Danny a direct message here um, uh, before our show. And of course, Mike Sullivan screws this up a little bit by right now not playing Brian Rust on the first line. But let's put, let's for argument's sake, put Brian Rust on that first line. I, I want to ask you about, oh, potential spam's calling me. I'll just get rid of potential spam there and get back to the question. Uh, Danny, where does that that Penguin first line for you rank among the league's best right now? We hear so much about the line in Boston. There's some other good lines in the NHL. That line is playing exceptionally well. Yeah, they, they've been phenomenal, and uh, even over the past – two, three seasons where they've been together. There, there haven't been five better lines in hockey. Um, you know, they, 
they're very comfortable with each other. And I, I think that they occasionally tend to take a f- uh, fewer risks in the offensive zone, just looking for that perfect play. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how, uh, you know, occasionally they'll always look for that, that extra pass or instead of just shooting the puck when they've got a wide open net. Um, but in, in terms of the, the chances that they create and their overall share of the on ice goals, when they've been out there this season, as well as the past few seasons, you'd have, a tough time coming up with three lines that have been better, let alone, you know, five or 10. So um, whether or not they get back together, the Penguins know that they're going to be dominant out there. And it's always nice to have that in the back of their pocket. I'm sure we'll, we will have you on again before the end of the season, but, but in case we don't have you on before the playoffs start, um, we're, we're recording this on Friday. So we don't know the result of the second Penguins Rangers game. There's a real possibility that ends up being uh, the first round series, unless the, the Rangers drop out and, and Washington goes in. But for sake of what we're talking about here and now with another game coming up on Tuesday with the Rangers, if that ends up being the series, uh, what do you think the Penguins' chances are against the Rangers? Uh, well, it, it's a tricky question because if if you're taking goaltending out of the equation, there's no doubt in my mind that the Penguins forwards and defensemen are better than the Rangers forwards and defensemen. That That is not the question. Um, but if that does end up being the matchup, it's going to come down to the Penguins finishing and Igor Shesterkin. Because if the, the Rangers, uh, you know, they've got a, a pretty good record and are, are right in the thick of things. But if you take a look at the quality of chances that Shesterkin has faced, this season and versus what he's given up, the Rangers would have almost a break-even goal differential on the season if they had gotten average goaltending from Shesterkin. Now, obviously, he's not an average goaltender, and you have to factor that into the equation, but if he's not able to stand on his head as he has all season and the Penguins are able to at least score what's expected of them, I think the Penguins win that series pretty handily. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's a... To me, that's a... I hate, to, I hate to ever come down into the five range, but that to me is a five-game series. Again, we'll obviously injuries always play a factor. We'll have to wait and see who lines up. And again, if, if these teams do line up, uh, I encourage everyone to make sure every week they, they read the uh, Drive to the Net uh, column from Danny Shire. He does a great job for us, and we'll definitely have him back on the show as always, it's been great talking to you. For Dave Molinari, who's in New York, and for Dana Shari, this is Tom Reed. Uh, we'll catch you next week on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.